This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. What's up, everybody? Briley here, and welcome to this midweek update. I'm excited because I was able to speak to Will Vandervoort of the Clemson Insider, and he provided some awesome insight as to what is going on surrounding this Clemson Tigers team, not only this week, but we also talked about last week and the takeaways from the Syracuse games, and then we even look ahead a little bit to the Boston College game. And of course, this is the perfect chance for me to remind you to come back on Friday, join Carter and me as we preview the Boston College game. We will not only give you what you should be looking for, but we're going to have a ton of fun along the way. Trevor has been working on a brand new edition of the Worthless Sound Collection, and we will head into the weekend playing another round of Clemps In or Clemps Out. It's going to be a blast. I hope you'll join us for that on Friday. So before we listen now to the interview with Will Vandervoort, let's take a quick 30-second break to hear from our sponsors, Anchor Podcast. All right, it's great to have the Clemson Insider senior writer and editor Will Vandervoort on the show with us today. He is also the co-host of uh, on the podcast Clemson Football with LaVon Kirkland, so be sure to check that out. And while you are looking at Will's stuff, be sure to find him on Twitter at Steeler Will. Will, are you pretty pumped about the Steelers' big win on uh, Sunday against the Titans? Dude, I'm beyond pumped, and uh, that game was so stressful. The Steelers like to say Mike Tomlin has a thing where he says every matchup is a five-star matchup, and uh, that truly was a five-star matchup the other day. And, you know, um, it it was fun because the Steelers came out and they just took over, and, and, you know, so I'm thinking, wow, we're going to have a blowout win here. I'm, I'm excited, you know. And then the Steelers do what they always do. They, they, they allow a team to come back. They make it close. They like to give Steeler fans heart attacks. Remember Jerome Bettis going in for the touchdown? Looked like they're going to seal the win against the Colts back in 05. Oh, yeah. And then the ball pops out, and the guy picks it up and starts running it back the other way. And all of a sudden, that's what the Steelers do all the time to us Steeler fans. And so uh, – but, yes, I was pumped there. The, the guy missed the field goal, reminiscence of the Colts game, uh, misses the field goal <laughs> at the end, and it went uh, wide – excuse me, wide right. I have troubles with my W's and R's. I'm like Yelmer <laughs> Fudd there. And so, um, yeah, so they're, they're at, uh, they end up winning 6-0, and first time since 1978, um, only the second time in franchise history they've been 6-0. So it's kind of crazy to think all the Super Bowls they've won. That's insane. Wow. This, I didn't realize this, this is only the second time they've got to this point. So it's insane. But, you know, yeah, so we're excited. I'm excited about it. Uh, they got the Ravens this week, who I hate immensely. Um, <laughs> you got the Browns. You have the Browns are 1A and the Ravens are 1B because the Ravens used to be the Browns. And so imagine <laughs> if you're a Clemson fan, the Gamecocks having a second team that was crude that used to be the Gamecocks and then they go to be somebody else. And so imagine that and that hatred you have for the chickens, right? Imagine that hatred you guys have and then put that on, you know, times at times two, that's what it is with the Ravens and the Browns. So I hate the Ravens every bit as much as the Browns. And then to top it off there, the games are always tight. They're always close and they beat us. We beat them. And, you know, so it's, uh, it's going to be a, a nice uh, AFC North bloodbath, I think there in, in, in Baltimore. So I'm looking forward to it. 
uh, undefeated Steelers, one loss Ravens. At least they're winning, so that makes it all worth it in the end. And and you don't know this about me, but I'm actually a Colts fan. I grew up in Indiana, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, dude. I very much remember <laughs> that game. So thanks. You've got me all fired up. You bring up the Gamecocks and uh, that Colts loss, and man, I'm I'm reared up, ready to go for this. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you're a Colts fan. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was a long time ago. I've eventually gotten over it. So uh, and, and we won a Super Bowl since. <laughs> that so so it's okay but that's right one at the next year if i'm not mistaken yeah so. yeah exactly so it worked out okay but i'm glad your steelers are doing well this year at least so and uh thanks man so, and your colts have been playing well so good good luck that's yeah been good too for you guys if we could if philip rivers could quit throwing uh interceptions and we'd be much better but we'll uh anyways i guess this is a clemson podcast so we should talk about the tigers well i'll do that if you ask about the steelers i will take over a podcast about the steelers well if you ask and me. We, we will absolutely have to talk about them some other time for sure because it sounds like you you've got a lot to say about the Steelers so uh I'm gonna have to come to you I've got a oh, few yeah, uh I got a few uh, guys I tell you what on my fantasy football team I got Juju Smith-Schuster and then I picked up Chase Claypool as well and uh I just cannot seem to play the right receiver at this point so I'll have to get some advice from you coming up and uh, coming into this next week as to who I should be playing <laughs> so uh, absolutely man hit me up dude all right well uh speaking of a team that's undefeated we've got the Tigers here and uh, I'll, I'll start with a funny question because you probably know Brent Venables a little bit better than I do and uh, after the Syracuse game he said after, you know after he was talking about the 83 yard touchdown pass that they gave up and he talked about how he put his defense in a bad position. And I don't know Brent, but he seems like an honest guy and a good guy and uh, and a guy who definitely tells the truth and would do this. He said he was going to go home and punch himself in the face for putting his defense in, in a bad position. My question is, did he go home and punch himself in the face? Or, uh, you know, what's the over-under on that? Do you think he actually would go home and do that? <laughs> well, considering that I did see him on Monday and there was no black eye on the face, I would imagine he didn't. <laughs> but knowing Brent, he probably has one of those dummies at home that uh, that sits up, you know, and you can punch it, and it probably says Brent Venables on it. And I bet you 10 to 1, that's what he meant by punching himself in the face. Um, because, man, I'm going to tell you, man, what you guys see about, first of all, Brent is a great guy. He's one of my favorites. Um, I love defense, obviously, you know, being a Steelers guy, I love defense. And so I love talking defense with Brent Venables. And he knows that. He knows I'm a defensive guy. Quick story, back in uh, 2012 when um, Clemson played NC State, that 62-48 to 48 game, that was Brent's first year. And uh, we go into to the interview room to talk to him after the game, and he was just – distraught as you can ever you Brent Venables giving up 48 points is the worst thing that could ever happen I can't even imagine and yeah and so he's like you know he sees me before we start doing it and he looks at me and says Will that was awful that was just I'm embarrassed I, I I hate I hate I hate giving up that many points it was horrible football blah 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 and I'm like I'm with you coach I mean that was I'm with you I hate I hate 62 48 games I want it 10 7 17 14 that's the kind of football I like and he's like, yeah, me too. He's like, this was awful to watch. And so, and he says, I apologize. You had to cover it. That's what he told me. <laughs> that's like, that's all right. So the, uh, so fast forward about um, four or five years later, I guess five years later when they played Auburn in Death Valley and the final score is 14 to six. Coach V, he remembers mine and his conversations. And we talked 
off and on about defense and all because he knows I'm a big Steelers guy. And so we talk off and on about great defenses. And so we uh, we go in there and uh, I go in there to him and just before the game. And he comes over and like knocks me in the shoulder. He says, how do you like that defensive performance? Right. And I was like, yeah, man, that's what we're talking about, coach. 14 to six. He says that that was a fun football game. I said, absolutely. It was. So, yes, he was, you know, he was um, the other day after the game. He was pretty intense as Brent is, but he was also pretty happy too, in the sense that you got to remember they had four starters that didn't play in that game. And so, you know, that's a big deal, especially up the middle where you lost Tyler Davis and James Skowski, your two middle guys, your, your nose guy and your, and your middle linebacker. And yet you still, you know, for the most part controlled the line of scrimmage. Yeah. They had a couple of plays, 61 yard run. I'm not going to go Kevin Steele on you here and, and say like, that doesn't count because it does count. Uh, Brent will tell you that too. Uh, but considering all that, they only gave up 322 total yards. Um, you know, they got they they got a couple things. Joseph Charleston, it was more, you know, the touchdown he gave up, the 83 yard touchdown. It was all technique more than anything else. He just he can't have that kind of technique. And of course, you know, he's more of a safety trying to play. You know, I guess corner, and and he's still adjusting to it. And you know, he can play either position. Um, but you know, he gave up too much technique there and that that was the issue with it and uh, that's going to happen from time to time and uh so you know um i thought for the most part the defense played well considering and i thought brent's reaction to it was what you expect out of brent he's not satisfied if they give up 322 yards that's 321 yards too much to him um you know he really means it when he says they only like to give up a blade of grass and um and for the most part they do that and they've been playing great but you know uh, he's intense as it gets, man. What you see on the sideline, that's him all the time, um, every day, all day. Uh, the stories you hear, the ones we write and talk about, that is Brent Venables to a T. Yeah, it seems exhausting to be him in general. He just seems like a ball of energy and intense all the time, and I love it. I mean, it, he's the he's one of the best defensive, if not the best defensive coordinators in the country, and I mean, it shows up almost every Saturday. And uh, it, I have to imagine a lot of that is because of his intensity and attention to detail and and uh, all those different things. So, hey, you mentioned that, you know, there were some guys out on the defense, uh, especially up the middle. And so that was something I was going to ask you. Um, it seems to me that like at this point in the season, the injury bug hasn't really hit Clemson in the to the sense that they haven't lost like any of their huge contributors for the rest of the season. So in that sense, Knock on wood. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I may have just uh, ruined that there. But uh, but there are some of these nagging injuries that um, are popping up. And you mentioned James Skalski is going to be missing a couple of weeks. DK missed um, some time last week. And then, of course, on the offensive side, you have Joseph Mangata, who has been kind of a will he won't he for the last couple of weeks. So how much has this how much have those injuries and those guys missing time contributed to, I don't know, like, you know, the performance last week where maybe it wasn't up to the standard that we expected? Or um, do you feel like this team has totally gelled yet uh, because these guys are missing time? Or uh, obviously, do they still have some work to to do in that area? I think they're still getting to get to know each other as far as, you know, um, how to work with each other. Because you still got so many young guys uh, playing on defense right now. Um, and I think, you know, when you sprinkle in a Skowski and you, and you sprinkle in an Xavier Thomas, who's just now getting back to full strength himself, and I think you're going to see him probably here by Notre Dame game, I think he might be in position to start. Um, at least I think that's the goal for the coaches 
coaching staff is to have him basically at full speed against Notre Dame. Um, you're starting to see – I think you see glimpses of what they can be when they're all together. I think we saw that against Miami. saw that against Georgia Tech. What people forget in that Georgia Tech game was they only gave up 200 and, what, five yards total offense um, in a game where they won their offense scored 73 points. Generally, when you do that and you sprinkle in these young guys, you're going to see yards and points for the other team. But kudos to them for coming off and, and, and playing as well as they did in that game. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, as the season goes on, you're going to see them get better and better as these guys, as you mentioned, start coming back and the, the team's healthy. The key for me, and, and I give credit to LeVon Kirkland on this because he's the guy that kind of put this idea in my head, and he's right when he says this. The key for Clemson's defense is Tyler Davis. It, it's when you watch him play, and nothing against uh, Brian Brzee because Brian Brzee is going to be this guy, maybe even better down the road, but Brian's still learning – the position he's still learning the techniques and things like that you know he's used to playing outside in high school where he played mostly at defensive end now he's moved in he's playing three technique or he's playing the nose and, and, and as LaVon says that's totally different you know that's a lot you got to learn and so there's things you got to learn how to do and not give away what you're going to do to the offensive lineman you know not um, you know not get too excited um, and run yourself out of a play um, so those are things Brian's learning, and he's gotten better. I think this past week was one of his best games. Uh, Coach Venables and Dabo both said that. So I think he's learning, but what you get with Tyler Davis is you get a Grady Jarrett, and he's a guy who knows what he's doing, and he's really good, and he's probably better than Grady Jarrett was at this point in Grady's career. And, you know, Levant, you know, he mentioned it in our podcast last week that Clemson is so much better at stopping the run when number 13 is in the game. Um, so him being out last week, I think, contributed to some of the issues they had. Um, I think this week it's going to contribute as well because I don't know if he's going to play this week. It doesn't sound like it. Um, I think they'll probably have him maybe available, um, like dress, but I doubt Dabo's going to – if he can go without having to play him this week, I think they will because they're going to want him healthy for that Notre Dame game. So, um, you know, I think, you know, as this team goes and these guys start coming back and you get you can get a Tyler Davis for a full game uh, for a long period of time. You can get a Skowski for a full period of time. You can get, um, you know, Xavier Thomas up there and then you sprinkle in the Miles Murphy and you sprinkle in, you know, all these great safeties in the back end. that I think as they keep going better and better with Xanders and those guys and you've got Mike Jones, who's kind of really coming into his own. Um, at the Sam position. Um, and then, you know, you, you know, and then what, man, by the way, Baylen Spector, let's not forget about him. Man, he has been balling this year, leading the team in tackles. If you would ask me who was going to lead the team in tackles, I would not say Baylen Spector five times. <laughs> if you asked me five times, I wouldn't, I would go four other people before I get to Baylen Spector. I mean, he's having a heck of a year. He's really exceeded my expectations at the will position. Um, and so, but all these guys have never really played with each other before. And so you see it when they're all together, how good they can be. You saw that against Miami. You saw that against Georgia Tech. And it's when they get them all back and they're all healthy, man, they're going to be every bit as good as that offense because they're going to be jailed. They're going to know how to play with each other. And they're going to be something to watch as they go down the back stretch of the season. Absolutely. And even this last week, I mean, the defense was the impressive 
side of the ball uh, far and away. Like, I mean, obviously they gave up those two big plays, but besides that, you mentioned it. It, I mean, it was like less than it was less than 200 yards. They gave up if you take away those two plays. And so, right. uh, yeah, I'm excited to see these guys come back and and uh, to see them gel and get it all together. So, um, well, I mean, speaking of some of these guys, I think in a lot of this, my question would mostly be on the offense. And I, I'm thinking the wide receivers as well. But who's a guy right now who's on the roster who we're not talking about? as like a big playmaker right now. He's not standing out and, and making a ton of plays, but by the end of this season, we will be talking about them and come playoff time, they're going to be a big factor that whoever's playing Clemson, they're really going to have to scheme for this guy, whether it be on offense or defense. Yeah, so let's go offense first because i got a couple guys that I think have the potential. Uh, first one is we see him every once in a while, but we don't see him every week, and that's Braden Galloway. Um, I still think Braden Galloway is going to be unbelievable, um, and he's got the potential to be a Jordan Leggett. Um, and, and they use him in a lot of different ways. Uh, people will probably wonder, where's Braden Galloway? Where's he Where's he gone? I was even asking that during the Georgia Tech game because I didn't even know he was out on the field, but he was blocking. <laughs> and, and that's good because that's what they want him to do that as well. Um, and um, so I think especially as Davis Allen continues to make plays and shows that he can make plays too, I think that's going to open it up a little bit more with Braden as well. Um, I, I would say another guy because Dabo has talked about him from from preseason on that once he gets 100%, he's going to be really good, and that's Joseph Ningata. Um, so I think that's a guy um, – because we've seen flashes with Joseph. We've seen that T. Higgins kind of guy, you know, or that Mike Williams kind of guy every once in a while come out in him. And so uh, Dabo's really, really excited about what he can do. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm going to go with two guys because if he, one, if he can hang on to the ball, I think he's going to be really good. That's Frank Latson. Um, but he's just going through some mental stuff right now. And uh, as soon as he gets that out of the way, he's going to be unbelievable. Because, you know, think about that catch he makes. He drops the easy catch against, um, I guess that was not Georgia Tech game, but uh, I guess the Miami game. Drops the easy catch and then goes back and just makes this diving catch over the safety that was just unbelievable. And you're like, okay, yeah, it seems like one of those issues where it's like if you have an open three pointer, those are the harder ones to make than with a guy in your face. Almost exactly. <laughs> he he likes to have that guy with his hand right up in his face, and he's just gonna you know splash the net and you know walk off talking trash to him. Um, but don't give it to him open because he's not gonna make it wide open. So I mean that's <laughs> that's kind of like you're right. That's a great that's a great uh, analogy there. Um, so, yeah, I think him and then the other guys, E.J. Williams, boy, man, is he flashing, right? I mean, come on, let's be honest. E.J. Williams is flashing. He, he looks like Justin Ross out there. You know, you can maybe close that six and make it an eight. That's kind of what it's starting to look like a little bit. Um, as he keeps getting to know this offense more and more, I think, and they start trusting him a little bit more, which I think we're seeing. He's going to – man, they're so talented at wide receiver. Dude. I remember somebody asked me at the beginning of the year, they're like, well, Clemson looks like they're going to have a drop-off at wide receiver. I'm like – You've been smoking, man. You look at these kids. You look at the credentials of these guys over here. It's like, dude, they ain't going nowhere. They're still wide receiver you for a reason. They're unbelievable. They're talented they're wide receivers too. I mean, yeah, they're all six, that's what's four, crazy. six five. You know, like two fifteen, two twenty guys. I mean, they're just monsters. Man, they're monsters, and they're going to continue. Then you throw in a Braden Galloway, and now you got this Davis Allen kid. <laughs> it's like a, you know, I compare him to the Kansas City Chiefs because you got Travis Etienne back there. And and then you got all these guys, and so they're just they're, they got weapons everywhere. Trevor Trevor's got so many weapons, it's not even funny. Um, and then on the defensive side, the guy I keep we keep seeing flashes of him, and 
you know, he had a big interception uh, last week and, you know, down there in, in the end zone. And I think that's kind of like, um, you know, um, number 25. Oh, my gosh, my brain's escaping me. I got so many guys in my head. Nolan Turner. No, no Nolan Turner's 24. Uh, backup safety. My my apologies. I'm going to have to look at my depth chart because I'm going brain dead here. <laughs> um, uh, Jalen Phillips. Jaylen oh, there Phillips. we go. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Phillips, number 25, had the interception. Sorry about that. I just had a brain cramp, and it happens. <laughs> well, you named off the whole Clemson team, so you know we'll forgive you for for for, for forgetting one guy. Yeah. So, uh, but Jalen Phillips is a guy I think is um, every week he shows flashes of something he's going to do, and when he gets it all together, I think he's just going to be outstanding. Because and look at his hustle last week. Remember the Heck guy of breaks off the long run, and he hustles and that, and he gets them, and. You know what happens? They don't get any points out of it because he gets the interception a couple plays later to to kind of keep them from getting points. You know, you see when you see hustle plays like that, that just allows all the rest of the guys on the team to start working harder. The guys in front of him and behind him are like, okay, if that guy is going to give that kind of effort every game, then I need to make sure I'm giving that kind of effort. So Jalen Phillips would be my guy on the defensive side. Yeah, and that was such a great play because it was it was like the results were immediate. It's it wasn't that he stopped the guy and then they gave up a field goal or it took them three plays or four plays to stop them. It was literally the next play All he right. picks him off, and that was I love that. I mean, that was such a great play, absolutely. Uh, okay, so let's uh, uh, let's uh, transition a little bit to Boston College here. And Dabo was asked after um, the Syracuse game if he thought, you know, if this next game against Boston College was a bit of a trap game, right? And he said, well, every game could be a trap game, you know. It, it just depends on how you play. So, um, and, then I, and then I look over at uh, Notre Dame and I see that Brian Kelly is saying that, hey, yeah, maybe we're looking, at, we're peeking a little bit ahead to Clemson. And I mean, I don't blame him, and I wouldn't blame any Clemson players for peeking ahead to Notre Dame either. Because let's let's be honest, I am. We're all looking forward to it. And so, do you think maybe this, you know, this quote unquote close game with Syracuse sort of ensured that this Tigers team is really going to be focused on Boston College instead of looking ahead to the Irish? Not that they would be, anyways. I think the coaching, you know, the coaching staff does a good job. But do you think that really kind of piqued their interest to focus on Boston College this week? Yeah, and I think part of there's a couple of things that happened last week. Um, Syracuse, for one, kept hearing how horrible they were all week long, and I'm sure Dino Babers told his players that he said, "Hey guys, look, we're a 50 point underdog. Nobody thinks we have a chance. People down in Clemson will wonder if we can even compete." You know, he's probably showing them my stories to be honest with you. Um, so <laughs> you, you know, so that's one thing. Then the second thing is, and I talked to Levon about this last week as well. Like you know, when you're when you're a player, what is that like when you know you're a 40-something point favorite? How do you approach that? And LeVon says it's really hard to not play through the emotions because you you know you're better than they are. And so you got to have the mentality, okay, I need to come out and just do what I do. If I do what I do, I'm going to be okay. So you got to have every guy on the team thinking that way because if you got one guy just thinking, man, all I got to do is just show up and we're going to win by 50 – then that can lead to trouble because it only takes, as we saw, it takes one guy not to not to be focused, maybe didn't study film hard enough, didn't use the proper technique to have an 83-yard touchdown pass. That's all it takes. You know, it, it doesn't take much. And so that's going to happen. So, yes, I think what happened last week against Syracuse will have Clemson more focused against Boston College. And the fact Boston College is 4-2. and two. Let's keep in mind – they're a pretty good football team right now, and they're playing well, and they're playing with a lot of confidence, and I think that's going to have Clemson's attentions as well. 
it's easier for Dabo to turn on the film and show all these things Boston College is doing at four and two, as opposed to turning on the film and showing Liberty beating Syracuse up at the dome by 17 points and they're one and four. So, you know, that's a big mental hurdle to get through. Um, So they're going to be focused. There's no doubt about it. I was surprised to hear Brian Kelly say what he said. I'm thinking, really, dude? But then when you look at Notre Dame's schedule, you can understand why he said it. I mean, because really, I mean, I don't know. It's like Notre Dame got the easiest schedule I've ever seen in the history of the ACC. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're playing. Do you think that was part of their contract? Was hey, we have to have the easiest. If we're going to join the conference, we got to have the easiest schedule. <laughs> you got to ha- let us have a chance to go undefeated before we play Clemson. Yeah. I think that was it. Um, I really do think that's what was signed by Swafford and the crew down there. We'll have to look at the contract uh, because I mean, man, what an easy schedule they have had to this point. Um, and so, I mean. Yeah, you know, I'd love to break down the game with you next week because I got my thoughts on Notre Dame, and we'll save that for. Oh man, I'd love to hear. I, uh, you know, I, let's just say this: I think Notre Dame's uh, living in La La Land uh, right now, and <laughs> I think they might, they might, they might find out the same thing Miami did um, come come November seventh. We'll see. They th- let's just say this: they can't because they play on turf field now. They can't add. Um, they can't make the grass grow taller to slow Clemson down. So um, unless they bring in a whole new field before next week's game, you know, they are on the road this week, so they can do it. You know? I, 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 w- I wouldn't put it past them. Let's be honest. OK, <laughs> I wouldn't either. Just, they've been focused on Clemson all year, obviously. So let's just, you know, let's see if that's what the case is. That's right. I mean, uh, it's going to be fun. Absolutely. And uh, so let, let's hope <laughs> here we are. We're talking about Clemson trying to focus on uh, Boston College. And, and me and you jumped ahead. Yeah, we can't even focus on Boston College. So uh, I wouldn't blame the team for looking ahead. But uh, I mean, you're right. This isn't your mom's Boston College team. OK, they they look like they're uh, able to sling the ball down the field. So uh, as you as you kind of look at this game, wh- what about Boston College is going to challenge Clemson this week? Well, I think they're they got that one wide receiver that that will cause some issues for Clemson's um, secondary guys. Now, if Darren Kendrick's back and Andrew Booth, I think you're okay. But I want to see how they use him as far as like um, you know, do they line him up different to kind of create the mismatch they want? Um, because Clemson has a tendency with this young secondary to have some breakdowns. We've seen it every week for the most part. At least one big play they give up. So. I think that's one thing I think if Clemson you're, you're concerned about. Not having Tyler Davis and James Skowski um, in the middle again is something I think with those big hosses they got up front. Because let's not forget, they're still Boston College. Now, they haven't run the ball very well this year, but I think that's because of design. I really don't think it's so – I think they're trying to be more of a passing team. Um, but, you know, a football coach is a football coach, and if they see a weakness on a defense – they're going to try to exploit it. And I can see them with their big offensive line saying, hey, look, let's test that middle of the Clemson defense. Let's let's test the freshmen out. Let's test uh, Jake Venables out. Let's see how those guys do in the middle. So you might see that a little bit too. And also, uh, why not use the tight end to exploit the middle of the field as well, considering you got Jake Venables back there who's not Skowski. And no offense, but you know James Skowski is a senior and a starter for a reason. You know there that you know he's got a couple of years of experience on him. Why not try to exploit that a little bit and and see um, you know see if there's some mistake he'll make you know with the tight ends and things like that. So you know that's kind of what I think from an offensive standpoint of what they're going to do to try to worry that would give you concern if you're a Clemson fan 
uh, going into this game because they're pretty darn good on offense. Um, their quarterback's good. Now, here's the good news for Clemson is that quarterback is a statue. And anytime I've seen Brent Venables play a quarterback that's a statue, he makes life a living you-know-what for him. And um, so so I like that matchup and that standpoint. Clemson, I think you're going to see play more of a four-man front and kind of come after him. Boston College offensive line, as big as they are, they're still slow. Um, we've seen everybody get pressure on that quarterback. I think he's been sacked a bunch. Um, and I think you're going to see that this week. Um, and I think Clemson can do it, which is four-man pressure. I don't think you're going to see any exotic stuff on the back end. I think you're going to see basic coverages and things of that nature on the back end because I think they feel like they're going to be able to get pressure on them. So it's going to be a nice yeah. little chess match to watch um, from from that standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. We'll, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. And kind of flipping to the other side of the ball, we just talked about Boston College and them running the ball. How about uh, – how about Clemson? So I think people are starting to pick up on this a little bit. And um, Tony Elliott was asked about the offensive line and what he thought of their performance up to this point in the season. And he said that, hey, it's not, you know, at certain points, it's not as bad as you thought. And at certain points, it's not as good as you thought. Uh, is that about as honest of an answer that we'll get from the coaching staff as to where they feel like the line is right now? I mean, where do you feel like they are at this point in the season? Well, I think there's trouble running the ball up the middle. I, I do think that's the one thing I think consistently we've shown. Now, that could be a lot of reasons. It could be missed assignments up front, things going on up there, or it could be just what the defense is doing. And I think some of it, a lot of it is what the defense is doing. I, I remember, you know, if you go back and watch the Syracuse game, there were times when you could see, okay, they would have their two linebacker, inside linebackers up, like almost up on the line. And then you would see that safety come down and he'd be sitting there. And then the free safety would be just off his back leg. And they really were just jammed up in the middle and daring Clemson to throw the football. Now they would run out of it a couple of times. And sometimes they just hit the hole when they knew Travis Etienne was getting the ball. Now when nine wasn't in the game, they totally changed their philosophy. I mean, totally. When nine wasn't in the game, they, they weren't worried about, Lynn J. Dixon or those other running backs at all. They backed everybody off and just played it standard when those guys came in. And that's why I think you saw those guys have a little bit more success than Travis was having, even though Travis did, you know, you know, run for 86 yards and did well, but you know, he had to work harder for his than they were having to work because he, you know, they were just jamming the middle uh, of their, of the line of scrimmage and daring Clemson to do something with the running game on it. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, I think some of that, but, I think Tony and Dabo both said that this was the worst game the offensive line had. Um, so, and that might might be because Syracuse was doing some things to him that was struggling. I don't know, but they both said it was the worst game that they had. They, you know, there were some missed issues up front, and um, you know, they both said they could play better than they did. But overall, Dabo says he's not concerned. Elliot said the same thing that overall they're not concerned about the lack of running um, because I think they're just still waiting to that moment once finally defenses realize, okay, you can jam the box, but we're still going to throw over the top on you. Um, and so as soon as – now Syracuse secondary was really good, and that's the thing that uh, stood out to me was how good their secondary is. Probably the best secondary, to be honest with you, they've played to this point, I thought. Um, because if you watch – Yeah, they the had things, a bunch of big DBs. They did, and they were challenging. They were, you know, they were challenging Clemson. Um, and um, they were there. I mean, there wasn't an easy throw. Trevor didn't have an easy throw the entire game, I don't think. And so that's a credit to them and their secondary coach. I thought they did a good job on the back end, um, and maybe that's the strength of their team, and maybe that's why they were going there. 
Uh, that's why they were loading the box up so much, you know, felt confident with their guys on the back end. So I don't know if Boston College feels as confident. So I'm going to be interested to see how Boston College picks it. If I had to bet, they're probably going to load up the box and dare Trevor and those wide receivers to beat them. Um, now, I don't think they're as stubborn as Georgia Tech was, where Georgia Tech kept doing it and kept doing it. And just like, <laughs> and then Trevor just tre- kept throwing over the top on them. You know, I don't think they're going to do that. I think you'll see. Um, hopefully back them out of there and they'll play more coverage, but I think they'll start the game. Now they're going to be physical with the wide receivers. You remember at Ohio state, that was the most physical we've seen anybody with Clemson's wide receivers, including LSU. I thought they were the best group of DBs Clemson saw all year last year. And um, so I can imagine they're going to try to be physical with Clemson, especially with these young receivers, see what they can do. Um, and then if Clemson does make plays, then you'll see them loosen up a little bit. And that's when you see Macy Etienne uh, start finally getting some go- something going in the running game. Sure. Yeah. And I'm sure as as we talked about the wide receivers, as they develop and and get better and become more of a threat, then that'll certainly open up the, the running lanes a bit here. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, I got one final question for you. Uh, thanks all for right. taking the time. We've been on for a while here. But um, Trevor Lawrence seems he seemed today to ever so slightly crack the door open that maybe possibly he'd consider returning for another season. Uh, is that just false hope for us Tiger fans out there? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would say it's false hope. I mean, I got to write the story cause he said it. <laughs> so, you know, cause he let, he did, like you said, he did crack the door a little bit, but this isn't a Peyton Manning situation where he's going to come back. I mean, he's going to have his degree. Um, he's engaged to get married. Um, and I just don't, I just don't see it happening. You know, um, I think he's um, pretty focused on. I mean, he's going to be the number one pick. You can't not, you know, even I if know it's the Jets. Life, yeah, even if it's the Jets, you, <laughs> you, you can't turn that down. Um, not in today's age of, of football and stuff like that. I think what you know, this is different than 1998 when Peyton Manning decided to come back. It, you know, because I think he was going to be the number one pick too that year. But it's a whole lot different situation, um, and um, I don't know why necessarily. I just think it is. I think you know more money's involved. There's just there's just a lot more that goes with it. Uh, it's easier to graduate now than it was then. So Peyton would you know he still wanted to graduate and have the college experience. Trevor's gonna graduate in December. He's he's had the college experience. Um, also, I, like I mentioned, he's engaged, and that plays a big role in it now. Um, I don't think Peyton had that situation going on when he was coming out. So, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's just too good, man. He's too good not to, I mean, when it comes to everything that you need in a pro quarterback, he's got it, you know, and then he also throws in, he can do some of the other stuff too. Um, you know, the RPOs and things of that nature that now are in the game and are becoming more prevalent in the NFL as well. So he can like do that and he can be your typical, you know, big, tall quarterback sitting over the top and, and, you know, hard. I mean, he's 220 pounds. I mean, he's, he's a big guy. He's going to be probably 230, 240 by the time he's a four or five-year vet in the NFL. You know, he's going to be a big guy. And um, so, yeah, he's just he's just too too good not to go pro. I think if you're a Clemson fan, just don't don't hold yourself to it. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy that he opened the door and maybe has some hope. But don't get yourself too excited. I think he's I think he's gone once the season's over. 
Uh, I figured, but uh, I wanted you to be the bad guy to our listeners instead of me. So uh, hey, I, I, I wanted mind. you to. That's okay, man. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think he'd be crazy to come back for sure. So, hey, why don't you tell us about your podcast and uh, before we get you out of here? Yeah, a couple things. I also want to tell you, so people know out there, I got a book out there called uh, The Hidden History of Clemson Football. I'll show you. I don't know if they'll see it, but, you know, there, there it is, The Hidden History of Clemson Football. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a book. Um, you can get it at amazon.com. Um, also books a million, um, Barnes and Nobles and then uh, downtown shops. I know Trent Allen has it downtown in Clemson. So oh, you, nice. can, uh, okay. you can get, get them there. And, um, anyway, it's about Clemson football. Obviously it go I go all the way back, kind of like trying to find the stories that, you know, you probably know about, but maybe not know everything about what happened um, and how those things happened. So, you know, I go all the way back to the very beginning, how the program started and the story behind that. And then uh, the story behind Coach Howard, how he came about, uh, Memorial Stadium, the Tiger Paw, uh, you know, the Orange Pants. Um, and then, you know, just, you know, obviously Danny Ford and, you know, his first game and all that stuff and what happened there under his tenure. And then, of course, with Coach Sweeney as well, you know, I had a good time writing it. So, you know, people like, you know, if you want to go check that out um, and buy that, the hidden history of Clemson football. Um, and then my podcast is I work with LeVon Kirkland. For you young people out there that may not know, LeVon Kirkland played at Clemson um, in the late 80s, um, was uh, is now in the ring of honor as he got put in last year. Uh, played uh, was an All-American at Clemson, second-round draft pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Good friend of mine, obviously. Um, and then played 11 years in NFL, 10 with the Steelers. Um, was one of the the premier middle linebackers in the NFL during his time. Um, so you know, uh, so so we got together. Levon actually called me and said, "Hey, Will, can we do this um, podcast? You're the guy." I thought about when they asked me to do it and I want you to help co-host it with me. And I said, absolutely, man, let's do it. You know? And so it's, um, it's about Clemson football. Uh, we will sprinkle in a little Steelers talk cause he's like me. He's a big Steelers guy too, being that he played for him and he loves the Rooney family. So we'll talk a little Steelers, not much eh, every once in a while we throw <laughs> some at the beginning. Um, but we'll, we'll get into to, to the Clemson part of it. So hang with us. Um, that comes out uh, every Thursday. Um, you can get it on your, um, Apple or your Spotify, um, anywhere where you get your podcast, really. Um, and, you know, if we appreciate it, if you just download it and then uh, rate us and give us a review, as you as you know, that's how it works. And so um, we greatly appreciate it. And we break down the game that's coming up that week. We may talk about something, you know, like he did last week where he just kind of broke down Tyler Davis and why he's so big to Clemson. So LeVon brings a lot to the table because – I. I'm just a fan of football, right? I mean, I, he played it at every level. And, you know, all I do is, you know, I, I write about it. And, you know, um, and I love football. And, and, but if you really want to hear it broke down, you got to listen to LeVon because this is a guy who did it, knows it, played it in the NFL for 11 years. Um, and so it's really fun listening to him as he breaks down Clemson and the opponent. And he does his homework, man. He watches the other team. He breaks down film and he comes in there with stuff, man. I'm like, that's good stuff, man. You know, so check us out. Uh, the Clemson, uh, Clemson football with LeVon Kirkland uh, comes out every Thursday. Yeah, great. And don't be too modest. You're pretty good too. Okay. So I, I listened to, to your last episode and you're right. He's very prepared and, and you're pretty good yourself. So, appreciate uh, it, man. you know, we appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your expertise with us and our listeners. And uh, yeah, everybody go out there, check out that podcast while you're listening to this one as well. Uh, yours is coming out on Wednesday. So, you know, check, check this episode out and then oh, go will, check man. out their podcast on Thursday. So uh, you can just have Clemson every day. Imagine that for all the listeners. So. Why wouldn't you? 
you want to do that. I listen to Steelers Nation Radio every day, um, and it's 24-7, 365 about my Pittsburgh Steelers. And I, I listen to it all the time. So if you're a Clemson fan, I would try to f- do that as much as I can, right? Absolutely. We live in the golden age of sports talk and, and podcasts. So take advantage of it. Absolutely. So, all right, Will. Well, thanks again for coming on. We'll have to come. We'll have to have you back on here and uh, get your thoughts on the Notre Dame game or sometime else uh, later on this season. But really appreciate appreciate your work and appreciate your time today. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I love, I love to come do it anytime. I love talking football. So I'm, all, I'm always open. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. all in on the best Clemson podcast around by subscribing on Apple podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, it'd be cool if you left us a positive review.